Hey, hey, it's Jason Ackerman here, host of the best hour of their day, and I'm bringing to you an interview with Austin Maliolo. I've known Austin just about 10 years now, and I'm super excited to talk to him. We dive significantly deeper than just his appearances at the CrossFit Games. If you want to learn all about that, I've interviewed him before on my Own Your Eating podcast, and he's got plenty of interviews out there. But today, we're going to dive deeper into who he is as a human being and, of course, how he's become the best coach that he can be. And he's going to give you guys some great tips into how you can become a better coach. In addition to that, we're going to learn about his morning routine. We're going to talk about his recent 600-pound deadlift on the same day that he ran the Boston Marathon, and he's going to drop some knowledge. One of the favorite quotes I have from this interview is when he said, words are useless, actions are all we have. That is something I would expect to hear from Austin Maliolo because he is, as I like to refer to him, the hardest working man in CrossFit. He owns multiple affiliates. He's got hand-planned programming. He just ran Watt on the Waves. He's programming for the throwdown in China. He's got so much going on, but the dude makes it happen. Married. He's got a beautiful daughter now. He's got his Benny the Golden Doodle. The guy is busy, but in this episode, we're going to talk all about that, all about how you can be busy but still thrive, what allows him to be so successful, and like I said, of course, how you can become a better coach. He throws out a huge, huge nugget that if you listen to, I promise you, it will make this entire episode worth it. So I'm going to bring to you my interview with Austin Maliolo. Check him out on social media. Check out Ham Plan. He's got a new book coming out in the future. All great things coming from him. And I'm super proud to call him a friend. And I'm super excited for you to listen to my interview with Austin right here on Best Hour of Their Day. All right. We have a very special episode today of Best Hour of Their Day because we have Austin Maliolo. Welcome. Oh, thank you. So this is unique because we are basically taking Austin's daily commute from home to Reebok CrossFit One in downtown Boston. That's right. Yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're along the journey with me. So if there's a lot of traffic, we have a lot of questions. If you make it quickly, we'll, uh, we'll get to what we can. What's the, what's the average daily commute take you? Um, average daily commute is about, uh, on the way in, it's, a, it's about 45 minutes to 50 minutes, yeah. And, and that's so. changed. So for those unaware, Reebok CrossFit, the, the box, the headquarters used to be in a town called Canton, Massachusetts. And then right. you guys relocated to downtown Boston. So your life changed at that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was, um, you know, I will pass the old uh, headquarters um, as, I, as I drive in here. So, um, and I'll pass that in about probably five minutes from now <laughs> and then continue driving for another, you know, 35 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, I mean, so doing things like this, you know, leveraging the time in the car to have phone calls or talk to people or, you know, try to be as efficient as I can has become more of a focus now that I have no longer time in the car. So just try to be efficient with newfound possible idle time. You know, and, and that's really what I want to dive into with you today. If you want to hear all about Austin's fitness accomplishments, I've interviewed him in the past on other podcasts. He's been on countless. Just search Austin Maliolo on the internet. You will find all about his games experiences, sectionals, all that. Cool. We're proud of that. But let's dive deeper into this. You're one of the best coaches in the world and something that I appreciate about you is just how busy you are. I like to refer to you as the hardest working man in CrossFit. So what's that? What are you, what are you referring to? Oh, I I mean, I just, you know, it's anytime you, you know, someone puts a title on you, it's uh, you, you often, you know, you, you want, you meet it with skepticism as I try to myself, because I always assume there's someone bigger, faster, stronger, um, you know, better, uh, smarter and harder working at any point in time. So that's, that's usually what runs through my mind when I hear something like that. Well, and that's probably why you are where you are today. I, I, you know, 
I remember long ago when you were a coach at Albany CrossFit and you were working out one time and you said to me before your workout, you were like, don't praise me. Tell me that I'm not doing well. And I was like, all right, that's what motivates Austin, you know, thinking that you need to be doing better. So first thing I want to ask you, you, you are a busy dude. You're married. You got a, a daughter. You have a, a dog. You have, you know, for those listening, you own and operate three affiliates physically, but you have attachment to affiliates around the world. You're huge in China. Huge <laughs> in China. So what's your morning routine look like getting you prepared for the day? Oh, yeah. So I really have two morning routines because um, every week my shift at the gym changes. So I'm either on the opening shift or the closing shift. So this week, for example, I'm on the closing shift. So um, what that means is, you know, my shift technically starts at the gym from at 1030 a.m. and we go to 7 p.m. Um, so my my morning on a week like this, it starts usually around like 5 a.m. is when I wake up uh, on the uh, on the closing week. So I wake up at five. At that point, Haley, my daughter's name, uh, she's still sleeping and I just get ready. And, and I, you know, I enjoy the morning time of not rushing um, and just you know, showering and just, you know, going through my normal uh, morning routine, just getting ready for the day. And then, you know, I, I, I still, I, I have about an hour of, of Haley asleep. So I go downstairs, I feed Ben, uh, my dog, and then um, make some coffee. And I, I every morning I, I like to do a pour over coffee, which is not the most time efficient, but it is, it's, it's therapeutic and I just enjoy the process. So I make some pour over coffee. I have overnight oats every morning. That's what I have for breakfast. Uh, and then at that point, I, uh, I get in front of the computer and I, um, I just start to, I, I, you know, I get a lot of stuff done that I, I, I can't or try not to do throughout the day um, when I'm at the, the Reebok headquarters. So I do a lot of stuff for the HAMP plan. I do a lot of my, uh, my CrossFit job stuff for, for seminars on the weekends. Um, I try to catch up on emails or just do personal stuff, whether it's, you know, recently in the past month, you know, taxes, blah, 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 blah. So I just try to get all that done. Uh, and then at, you know, Haley wakes up and, and then I try to um, spend at least an hour and a half with her. So just crawling around with her and playing and feeding and just uh, try to put my phone down, which is hard for me to unplug because I have a hard time relaxing. Um, so I just try to just spend the morning with Haley because I don't get to see her at night. Um, so that's the trade-off. So that's the, the, so the, those more, that, that, those morning routines are very eventful. <laughs> um, cause then I drive in like I am right now to the gym on so, my opening, on my opening weeks, it's a little less eventful, a little faster where I wake up around like 420, 4:30 AM. And then I just, I uh, get ready to rock, eat my overnight oats, make my pour over coffee, uh, just in a smaller serving. Um, uh, and then I hop in the car and, uh, by about 515, 520 get to the, get to the gym around 6am and open the gym. So, um, and then I am able to leave a little earlier and I, I essentially do the same routine that I do in the morning, in the afternoon where I spend, I spend more time with Haley until she goes to bed. And then at night after she goes to bed, I either, uh, depending on, uh, I either train again or I um, get behind the computer and, uh, you know, kind of catch up and finish out the day's work. Yeah. So the morning routine just kind of flip flops at that point, but as you can see, I mean, that's an early start. And it sounds like you just kind of grind on those things for an hour. So you get to do some things that you get to enjoy, like spend time with your daughter, which is super valuable. Um, you know, and then the trade-off obviously on those early mornings is you get to the box much quicker. Oh yeah. Yeah. The mornings are, are much faster, less traffic. Um, and, and it's, you know, the morning shift, you know, and certainly in the world of CrossFit, I think uh, a lot of us are morning people. So it's a coveted shift. It's it's because, you know, you're up essentially for me the same time every day, whether I open or close, give or take a few minutes. And so but to get home at, you know, by you know four o'clock and to spend, you know, the nighttime with Haley as a parent. I love that so much more. It's just fun to be a part of the nighttime process. Also for Marin, you know, it's it's a lot to spend two hours with a babe at the end of the end of the day, they get fussy. Um, you know, so it's nice to be able to just be a better husband and more helpful in the final hours of the, uh, the day. So I feel a little more purposeful in our relationship, uh, on those days as well. Well, 
I'm sure you're purposeful every day, but that's really good. And I think for me, you know, I tell people that 5 a.m. crew are crazy and they're there to work. So it's sometimes a little more fun. Not that it's more fun, but it's like, you know, you're going in and you need to bring it because they're there at 5 a.m. And if you're there at 5 a.m., you want to get your shit in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, any any gym around the world, the first class of the day, you know, you they're the same people anywhere in the world. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more. I think the only thing you got to you got to treat them a little differently with the general warm up. You got to you know, if you've ever worked out at five in the morning, you, you really need a good general warm up. So, you know, whereas if you're working out at four o'clock, you probably can get, you know, get to the workout a little faster. But you got to wake that body up, you know, first thing in the morning before you start clanging and banging some iron. So, you know, this podcast is primarily about becoming the best coach and affiliate owner. But before we get there, I want to ask you this question, because you mentioned coffee, you mentioned overnight oats, which for those listening don't understand back in the day, you would never have touched either of those things. So (laughs) my question to you is, and it doesn't have to be about, you know, just those foods or nutrition, but what's one thing that you previously believed to be true that you now don't believe and if maybe it's about crossfit maybe it's about fitness maybe it's about something else in your life but i've seen the evolution of austin maliolo over the last 10 years and it's been incredible from a distance to see so many things have changed so i'm wondering for you what's that what's the one biggest thing that you used to believe to be true that you don't believe anymore oh man um gosh you know it's funny because I don't, you know, you know, I, I would say that I think that it's it's less of a belief. It's more or less of an, of an understanding and awareness piece. But I think at one point I had the belief that it, I had to be unbelievably rigid in, in, in any of my beliefs. So like beliefs aside, the belief in rigidity and was what allowed me to achieve whatever it might be. So from a nutritional perspective, you know, if, if I read something, I, was, I had to do it or wh- whatever it might be. So I, I was 100% convicted in my belief of whatever that was, if that makes sense. Um, it, it, it was never, you know, because like, my beliefs are still there, you know, like from the sense of from a nutritional perspective, you know, I... Do, do I believe that that fish that I believe that fish oil was the best thing in the world? I don't know that. I just read that it was good for you, so I always did it. I was I, I believe the rigidity in taking fish oil every day was something I had to do. Um, so things like that. Whereas now, I understand a little better of one that my goals have changed. You know, I'm no longer looking to compete individually at the CrossFit Games. So that's no longer a goal of mine. And when that, and, and when that was, I had to leave my, myself less room for possible backdoors from an, a mental perspective. But, you know, for me, I love, you know, overnight oats. Like, you know, like I, I experimented with, you know, with oats once I kind of, you know, as I was progressing through my nutritional journey and it worked well for me and, and my lifestyle changed a little bit. And so I just think being a little less rigid in, in those things have been super helpful. Um, and the belief that one size fits all, I probably that's the biggest thing where in the beginning, it's super, it was super easy for me to think that there is only one way to achieve success certainly when it came to nutrition, because it was easier. And as you know, I mean, you, you spend a lot of time with nutrition and it's super easy to, to think that, you know, if you do one thing and it's the only thing that you do, then it's the way to do it. But there are a lot of ways to achieve success, some unconventional, some conventional. And I think that that's been probably the, the most helpful and the, the biggest change in my beliefs, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And I think, you know, I have seen it expand beyond, you know, we're talking nutrition in that moment, but whether it's, I can be flexible in what workout I do today, or I can be flexible in, I want to, 
get worked on, but Marin wants to watch, you know, a reality show. You're right. The idea that I can be more flexible in life. Cause yeah, you were rigid. You were insane back in the day, but I do, I will say with that, you know, with, with that being said, that got you to where you are and this is what's taking you to the next level. Right. So, and, I, and I do, th- yeah, and I think that that's a, a very important aspect because for me, the, be- the, the most important learnings that I had in my whole life were when I followed a strict zone for five years and never, ever waned or cheated from it. And I really believe that that's an important, for, you know, my goal was a very specific goal that was one that wasn't relatively easy. So with that came an extreme goal and extreme behaviors. So I don't expect other people to do that if they want to achieve success. But for me, it was something that was important and necessary. And it also changed my relationship with food. It changed my relationship with nutrition where, you know, now we talk a lot about whether it is, you know, uh, intermittent fasting and the keto diet, and then obviously, you know, macros, but like all of this stuff, you know, like for me, that stuff is so easy now because of my understanding of food that I learned through zoning and I, I, my develop my, my relationship with macronutrients where, so I understand it. Uh, whereas yeah, it, I don't it, think it, it works that. the other way around. I agree with that. It took that discipline for you to, for you to learn that. And throughout that conversation, you know, something, you know, first of all, I want people listening to think, you know, this guy zoned 25 blocks for more than five years. And that's what took him to the CrossFit games, you know, five occasions, right? As an individual, is that correct? I think six as an individual, five or six as an individual, two as a team. Right. When you don't remember how many times you went to the games, that's a good problem. And you know, <laughs> the, people, the people listening that talk about, you know, and obviously the scope and the landscape of the CrossFit games has changed, but I think very few people understand the discipline it takes to get there. But let me, let me go on that. You, you also said, okay, you know, my goals have changed. I no longer want to go as an individual, you know, whether or not you decide to go as a team, you know, you're 31 years old. Is that correct? Yeah. God, I think I, tur- I think I turned 32, like in a month. Yeah. Shit. Okay. So you're almost 32 and granted you're not old. Is that a little old in the CrossFit world? Sure. So yeah. the, the, what I'm leading to is how does one that was at your level stay motivated every day to train? I mean, you still throw down, go check out Austin's, I mean, social media. And I mean, here we are, it's Thursday, three days ago, he pulled 600 pounds off the ground and then ran a four hour marathon. So the dude is still ridiculously fit. I mean, he did two things. None of you listeners can do myself included, right. In, in within a scope, you know, a five hour period, how do you stay motivated every day to train? You know, I think I, I, it's, I would say, honestly, that has been something that I've, I, I've talked to a lot with uh, myself and my buddy, James Hobart, which I'm sure, uh, you know, a lot of people know and, and at least can recognize. Um, and, the key is small goals. And I can tell you that because, you know, every year for the, since I started CrossFit, since day one, it's always been the games. And so you, you have a goal, no matter what the time of the year, your, your goal is that competition. And now it's, well, all right, I did the marathon and I wanted to pull 600 pounds. And then, you know, so you have to create small incremental goals to give yourself a purpose. And, and, and whatever it might be, you know, and, you know, what has really helped me is I take class every day. So I take class. So, you know, I program for that. You know, I have the hand plan program. We have uh, oh, hundreds of people that follow it, if not thousands with how many affiliates now. So for me, the obligation is one, I need to set the standard. So my motivation is other people. I'm going to take the class. If I miss class because of my schedule, I'm going to do the workout. By the end of the week, I'm going to do every workout that our affiliates do. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do all of our accessory work and extra sessions because I want to make sure that I'm there with my people, with the people that I've asked them to do things. And when self-motivation is not there, because anyone that says I'm, I'm self-motivated, they're lying, right? You know, like motivation is great when things are good, but you don't have motivation when shit's bad. Like, whether you like, that's the kind of the concept of motivation, right? So you need to have an extrinsic motivator and all of the time, in my opinion, you need to be able to fall back on it. So for me, if it's eight o'clock at night, Haley's gone down, 
I'm missing this. I missed the session because I was too busy. I think about everyone else. I, I, I think about, you know, people that have done it and I'm like, I got to go do this for them. And I just go out there and execute on it. And once I start working out, my mindset's always the same. You know, it's, I'm going to go as hard as I can. I'm going to just fully send it because I don't like to pace workouts, you know, like, so once I'm in a workout, motivation's never an issue. Um, but as life goes on, I mean, your, your, your days are much busier. Just it's pressing the start button is not as easy because it's easy to find other things to do or other reasons to do something. We're like, Oh, like I could work. Like I, I, I always have a day's worth of work to do, you know, I, you know, so those are the easy, you know, Oh, it's a good excuse, but an excuse, an excuse, whether there's productivity behind it or not. So have an external motivator, which is great. And it sounds like for you, it's knowing, you know, we'll talk more about the hand plan, but whether at your boxes or the boxes around the world that subscribe to the hand plan, which is phenomenal programming, by the way, you can check it out. It's at handplan.com, correct? Yep. Yeah. So check it out there. Um, you know, if you own a box, it really sets your entire box up for success, not just with the programming, but how to execute on the hour. There's more than just an hour programming. There's express type classes, all that type of stuff. Um, so check that out. But simply knowing that other people are hitting it, something you put out there is what gets you to go. And I agree with you. I'm the same way. It's like once you start, and I think everybody listening can agree with this, like, the challenge is to get started. Once you get going, we feel good. We know how good we're going to feel afterwards as well. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think that, you know, it's, you just have to be, and also it's, it's an important thing. Like, you know, I, I actually just finished put, uh, editing a, a vlog about the marathon and about the deadlift and uh, Connor Murphy, who I ran it with. Um, and I pulled the deadlift at his house. We were just doing a little recap and chat and how, you know, it's important to follow through on your actions. So for me, now, I told people that I was going to run the marathon and that I was going to, you know, attempt to pull 600 pounds. So at the very least, I have no choice but to attempt to do that stuff. Right. And, you know, if you're going to say you're going to do something, you have to do it. And it, it, that's the only thing we have in this world. Right. Is our is our words are useless. Your actions are all we have. But everyone's like, all we have are our words. No, people talk big game all the time and never follow through, right? Just, just like it's called social media influencers and, and, and all these other things. But for me, you know, I, I, if I'm going to tell people, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, you know, have, you know, my YouTube channel and blog where I talk about things where, you know, about doing and executing, I have to do it. So I also, accountability is also, if I tell someone I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So that's me setting myself up for self-accountability where it's easy if you hide, never commit to anything outright, then you can easily find excuses. But if you put yourself out there, you are way more you know, possible to execute on it because at the very least, the poorest level of motivation is the embarrassment of you not executing on it. But you know what? At least it's, it gets the ball moving. Oh, uh, yeah. And you know something our friend and mentor Sasha would always tell me is, if you write it down, you're twice as likely, but if you tell someone you're five times as likely to do it. And that's right. You know, when you, when you're telling someone, you're not just telling one person, you know, you got 70,000 Instagram followers, people watching your, you're telling quite a lot of people. So right. W w with all that being said, my question would become, I don't know for sure. Is your fitness, has your fitness decreased? Well, you know, I guess, you know, I would, it's safe to say that probably, you know, I've, I've sustained some injuries and things like that. And, and, and past, you, know, rel, you know, relatively recent history, a couple of years, my wrists are pretty, so like, you know, I can't really snatch your overhead squat as much as an improvement for me. So which is ironic, right? Where things I struggle with, I did a lot and uh, from overuse, you know, I've, you know, created bone spurs in my wrists and blah, 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 blah. That's called, you know, a professional sports, right? You, you develop overuse. And in our world, when you, something is not good, you, you do it a lot. So, you know, it makes sense. The math adds up. So, you know, I would say that probably if you were to look at, you know, you know, our definition of fitness work capacity across broad time and model domains, you look at that curve, even if you were to, oh, that's good. Um, that wasn't then, you, was it? No, someone that just blew, <laughs> went a Bostonian blowing through a red light, like a wild animal. Um, 
um, and I just waited for him because I saw him not hit the gas. Um, so, um, and so with that said, yeah, I mean, probably have gone down a little bit. Competitions is not a good determinant of fitness, in my opinion, because, you know, if the right events come out, I could, I could, it could look like I'm really you know, as fit as I've ever been, if not fitter. You know, I, I mean, I did Fran yesterday, two days after the marathon, I did it in 211, right? So, you know, so, you know, fitness is still there. Is that your but, best ever Fran time? I think 207 is, is my best ever. So, but 211 was, is probably my most consistent across the 10 years. Yeah. Right. Like we so, hit a 207, you know, and it, four seconds at that point is like, where'd you set your bar relative to the, to the rig? Exactly. Yeah. My, I did it in class. So I didn't, I didn't have like an obnoxious setup, you know, like I was just, I, my bars were everyone else's bars were, you know, <laughs> and let's, um, let's throw that out there. I mean, you're doing classes. I'm sure you do a little additional in the, there's accessory work and hand plan auxiliary work. But I mean, when we talk about training, you're training significantly less. And I agree with you, like, you know, to Austin's point, competition is not where you measure your fitness. Cause if the open happened to have deadlifts in every workout, Austin's going back to the games. Right. Right. You know, versus if it has snatches and heavy snatch, heavy overhead squat, it's going to impact your performance. So you can't use that as a gauge. But then my question is for a lot of people, you know, the, the landscape of the games has changed. There's no regionals or maybe you're just yeah. getting older. Like myself, how yeah. do you handle mentally seeing mm. your fitness slowly yeah. diminish? How do you handle that? Well, you know, I, I think that it, if your fitness is slowly diminishing, that means two things, really just one that you started with such a high level of fitness. That's rare. Right. So like I look at my dad who's 10 years into CrossFit now, 62 years old, and he's been getting fitter and getting older because, you know, he wasn't a CrossFit games athlete at 50. So most people should be getting fitter for a really long time or at least sustaining, you know, or it's undulating depending on, on your years of life and what's happening. But, you know, for someone like myself who has, you know, my goal has been to be the fittest and it's the key is, is you're, I'm always going to have be frustrated with the poor performance, whatever that might be, but it's having fun. I love working out personally and I love like, I miss snatching. I miss overhead squatting where like, but I don't do it because it hurts. And you know, so I'm smart, you know, like I try to practice what I preach, right? Like pain-free range of motion. So, you know, if you said Austin go snatching over at squat, the answer would be, I could, you know, because, you know, I'll do anything and, you know, cause I'm an idiot, but I choose not to because, you know, it hurts now. And where, when competing, I would not listen to that part of my body. So I just love working out and I enjoy it. And I, so like, if I, if I had no other obligations in life and all I would, I would just work out all day, you know, like, I, that's what I would love to do. And cause it's, it's fun. Like when I hang out with my friends, we work out, <laughs> you know, like that's what we want to do. So that to me is, that's where I find the motivation and purpose doing what I love. And I love programming. I love finding holes in, 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 in my own fitness and, and challenging myself. So I do, I think that I'm going to be fitter than I was when I've been to the CrossFit games or, you know, who knows? I mean, I think that my fitness will stay pretty fit. I don't think I'm going to stay as super strong because I'm a smaller guy, which means staying super strong is a lot harder for me, which means my volume of lifts needs to go up, which, you know, takes a toll on my joints and my body. So I'll pull back on that a little bit, but I mean, you know, I, I think for the most part, I don't think my fitness will go down too much. So my emotional state won't be too bad. I mean, I think where you really battle it is with a big injury, um, I've seen athletes that, you know, with big knee injuries, big back injuries that really, you know, force them to change their whole lifestyle. That's something I can't speak to. And I, and I, I can imagine is unbelievably difficult emotionally and psychologically. Yeah. We'll have to get Dan Bailey on the podcast. I'm sure you yeah, know, I mean, you're talking I mean, about Dan's somebody of, like him. Yeah, man. Dan's one of my best friends and literally just talking to him almost every day. And it's, you know, it's like, it's hard. Um, and things like that. So I think that's something that it's, if you're an athlete or just a human being, I mean, I have athletes that walk in the gym that, you know, have are unrestricted movement for whatever reason. And it's, we, we are, they're psychological and emotional coach more than their physical because of their limitations. So 
I think that stuff's really difficult when your whole perspective now turns into pain-free range of motion or, you know, maintenance or just get by as opposed to thrive. I think that's really difficult. And for me, it's not just to get by. It's not to survive. Every day I want to hit a workout and I want to smash it to, to, you know, to smithereens, you know, like I still hit, like, that's what I want to do. And that's it. You know, I, I tell people, because if you're a coach and I want to get onto the coaching topic, I know you're almost at the box. It's, you know, we all will have periods of time where we're injured. And to me, you know, you really become a CrossFit athlete when you come to the class, even when you know you have to scale because of injury, because you will have to. And if you don't have to, you're just putting your ego in front of your body. Right. But at yeah. some point we all, you know, we've all had tweaks and you need to be smart and listen to your body and, you know, a little different than what you're talking about, but yeah. And if you don't do that, you're going to wind up being injured to the point that something drastically has to change like you referred to. So right. I want to, I want to dive into coaching for a minute because you're, are you yeah. almost at the box? How long is your probably got like 15 minutes? Yeah. yeah. All right. 15 minutes. So, for those of you that don't know Austin's career in coaching, you know, you started in Syracuse, then you came to me at Albany CrossFit, moved over to Reebok, been a part of the CrossFit seminar staff for, you know, probably eight or nine years now, Flowmaster. You are one of the best coaches in the world. Are you a, are you considered a level four at this point? Yeah, I have my level four, yeah. So congratulations. Welcome to the club. Um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I had to catch up with you. As yeah. usual, I'm always keeping up with you. <laughs> exactly. So... <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about coaching. We've yeah. seen a lot of good coaching. We've seen a lot of bad coaching. Mm. What do you think is the most common mistake a new CrossFit trainer makes? So people are listening. They just took their level one, you know, and I'd say even within the net last year or two, they're newer trainers at that point. What's a common mistake they're making? They coach too many people. So I agree. Now, people listening are going to say, I don't have a choice, right? I, let's say they're not a box owner. I show up at the box. They a box yep. wants to do well. They want to have as many members mm -hmm. as they can. All of a sudden, you know, I, I, I passed my level one certificate course a month later, I'm coaching 24 people at the 6 PM. Class. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I think that I agree. And I, I think a common mistake doesn't necessarily need to be something that or and it might not be able to be fixed right away, but I think that, True that. you know, you know, so I, I, I just, there's no, I mean, there's no way you can be effective. Um, so now with that twofold is oftentimes they are, you know, a newer coach is they don't give themselves time to actually coach. Um, again, oftentimes not the, the fault of the coach, usually the owner or, or programmer where they program, for example, too much shit in an hour. Um, and whether it's strength and Metcon or 14 sessions, whatever it is, like part A1, A2, A3, whatever it is, you just, the opportunity to actually see and correct and teach um, is so small because you're actually just, you're just pushing people through an hour uh, and giving them just workouts. You're not actually improving human movement. So what you end up doing is developing zero skill sets and don't actually practice how to coach. Um, but you're really good at, you know, Cruise directing to, to cruise direct. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's, and, and, and then what happens, and, and again, I, I see it all the time. It's, it's oftentimes not the, the fault of the coach per se, because, you know, they're not the owner, they're not the programmer, but they want to develop experience. And what we tell everyone is in order to get better at coaching, you have to coach. So they go out and coach. Um, so I think it's an unbelievably difficult scenario. It's only more challenging now. Um, and that's one of my, you know, it's what, why I try and, and myself, James and Spencer do affiliate programming is to help affiliate owners and, and programmers understand the purpose of a lesson plan and what should actually be delivered within an hour long class. So, because we got to find a solution to some of these problems for our newer coaches, because I think the, the mistakes and problems are across the board and the solutions are challenging and difficult, uh, but I don't see them being remedied by a lot of gyms. No, and I mean, obviously we can dive into, you know, and on this podcast, we, you know, last episode, we talked about the whiteboard brief, we talk about timelines, all of that can be rectified. But like you said, it's hard, you graduate from your, you know, you pass your level one, it's not up to you, you go to the box. So 
how would you recommend then that trainer approach the box owner? And, and mm. granted, that could be very different, you know, but we see it. I, I'll coach at a level two, drop the same knowledge you just did. You, you're not coaching. You're, you're guiding people through parts A through K. You don't have an opportunity. The light bulb goes off. They go back to the box. Their box owner doesn't care. And, yeah. you know, and no. our good friend Chuck Carswell says, makes one small step. But what do you say? Well, you know, I, 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 the businessman in me, you know, tells people it's really hard. I mean, you're an employee um, and, and they're the owner. And, you know, whether you're like and, 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 and if your owner, manager, leader chooses not to listen or pay heed or, you know, maybe they're not good at what they do. And do you want to work for them? You know, like you got it. Like, you know, I, with the gyms that I own, with the coaches that coach me, my employees, with my direct reports, you know, like the last thing I should ever do is not listen. And, you know, or, or think that people beneath me don't have a valuable opinion or, or point of view. So yeah, go out and talk to your coach. Now, what I tell them is create a leg. Objectivity matters. If you just say, I don't like this, that's not a good argument. You know, I would say, well, show, present a problem, present a solution, and then how to execute on that solution. And then whomever you're talking to actually has the tools to, to at least trial what you want. So that's what I say, write a lesson plan with what's in what with the current programming is with the with the current amount of people and highlight that it's impossible to do your job to see incorrect it's impossible to scale effectively to teach progressions to get people in to be and then write a lesson plan with you know with the with the with the programming that you possibly would want maybe just taking out a portion or whatever it is and 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 show and and, and ob- objectively show that now you have time to do your job and so, and, and, and maybe say, Hey, let's, let's do this. Can we do this twice a week, you know, or once a week and, and, and see that and, and, and whatever it might be, but give a solution to the problem. I think that's can be really powerful. Um, but which means you got to do your work. You got to prepare, you got to research, you got to, I mean, as if you're going to present something, present an executable, actionable solution and, and, and all, and be respectful about it as well. Well, you just dropped a life lesson there. It's, Everybody has got problems and solutions are a great step, but you actually came up like have a plan that you're going to execute. And I think one thing that I want people to take from that also is you didn't say, Hey, we need to make this change seven days a week. Like, Hey, can we try this on Thursdays when it's our slowest day? Or, Mm. you know, that, that was great. And I personally, I did that. I moved down to Florida. I was coaching all over. One of the boxes I was coaching at was just like that. And I said, next time I coach, I want to run just Fran. And, you know, give them the story of Fran, run them through the thrusters. People got their first pull up and it was such a different experience, something they had never done before because they weren't used to that one workout a day. But are you at the office? No. Man, what's going on? Are you you eating your overnight oats? No, I just drank. I was just drinking some water. So you, you heard a little shaker ball. So they need to make a silent shaker bottle. That should be your next uh, invention. So I'm pretty sure that Shark Tank's got that covered somewhere. <laughs> let me let me go on though. So I think that was phenomenal advice. You're, this guy goes to the box. Nothing's changing. Do you have one tangible piece of advice that someone coaching can actually try to do with their next class to become better, regardless of size, regardless of what's going on? Like one thing you think a coach can do to just be a slightly better coach. Talk to every single athlete before the workout starts and make sure that you have approved their scaling option and you've done some way to test it and prove that it will be effective. Just ask, what, what, how are you scaling this workout and why? You might not have any idea, but talk to every athlete before three, two, one, go. So you know what they're doing and what their intent and stimulus is, which all should have come from you, but undoubtedly you probably screwed that up because everybody does. So talk to everybody before the class starts and it will blow your mind and how much you'll learn. Great advice. And the last episode we put out there, the whiteboard brief really dove into that. If you haven't listened to it, go back into the archives. But really to to Austin's point, it was all about maintaining that stimulus and making sure people are doing the right things in the workout. Sure. 
you got you you know you go up to Susie who's got sixty five pounds for Fran. Meanwhile, that's her one rep max. All right, Susie, we need to make some changes over here. Right. Yeah. It, it's and and not only that, you'll it it will make you better for the next class. You'll learn. It just you'll learn. And and at the very least, the people in your class will will because they, they they lie to you. You could have done it all good, but people are like, oh, I'm going to do this. Well, why? Why? Because I want to. Well, that's not what we discussed. So you can remember everything's your fault in the class. When it, when it, if everything is your fault, which means you need to have checks and balances from start to finish. And not to mention you're connecting with your athletes. There's never right. a bad time for that. All right. I want to get some good questions in here before you get to work. Other than Marin and Haley, this is a personal question. Other than your wife, your daughter, and let's even throw Benny in there. Cause I know you love Benny. What's, what's yeah. the most proud moment of your life? Ooh. Um, Cause you would have said, your baby, then you would have said getting married, right? Then you would have said ben, Benji. So what's been the most well, proud moment? I, 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 I appreciate you making sure I don't make any of those relationship mistakes. So thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying anything wrong there. I, well done. Um, let me see, you know, gosh, the proudest moment. Oh man, it's, um, that's, that's a tough one. You know, I've had, you know, I've had quite the ups and downs in, in, in my life. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's less a specific moment and more of, you know, in, in, in going through such difficult times growing up and, and, you know, being considered disgruntled youth and all these other things and, you know, just getting to a point in life where I feel that you know, I'm, I'm proud of, of what I have around me, my, my family, my friends, my gyms, my, my passions, my fitness. Um, it's, it's easy for me to forget that and take it for granted. But, you know, there was a time where I was in jail. There was a time where I was, you know, I, and, and, and that's, and, you know, making every mistake times two. And so I think it's just, that's one of the proudest moments of my life when I have that, had that realization that, you know, like I was able to, to, to get to where I am now and by no means anywhere near finished, but it's really cool to have that feeling. And it's easy to not allow myself to feel that because, you know, complacency scares me. And sometimes when I accept and feel proud, I, it, I feel like it's complacency, which is not the case, but it's that, that stuff does scare me uh, personally sometimes. And for anyone listening, you know, that's really awesome to hear. And it's just, appreciating and being grateful for where you are. Yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. Um, the last question, and then I want to certainly talk about the ham plan before you get out. If you could put up a billboard or a sign for all CrossFitters to see, what would it say? For all CrossFitters or potential CrossFitters? That's you know what? I'll, I'll take it a step further. Anyone for anyone in this world to see, what would that billboard say? People are driving down, you know, the road in Boston, big billboard. What would it say? Oh man. Um, it's a hard hitting questions on best hour of their day, Austin. This is not, you know, your typical podcast. It's just great. Yeah. Other than, uh, you know, give them your, uh, your, your, your podcast direct link. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, like, Part of me thinks that, you know, because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of motivation and inspiration because, you know, I, I, so I think that, you know, if what, what does that billboard say? I just think that, fuck, you know, like I don't, I've never read a billboard and, and that, that's ever inspired me to do anything other than, you know, not pay attention to what I'm doing, which is driving. Um, you know, so I think we'd probably be better off as a society if that billboard almost didn't exist and it allowed whoever, whoever was driving to actually spend five seconds of their day having some introspection about their life, about people that care about them, just doing something for themselves um, and, and for themselves um, to, to, you know, to achieve their goals. But, you know, I, I, 
it would be hard pressed for me to say any type of billboard would add any value to anyone's life. <laughs> That's an Austin Maliolo answer if I've ever heard one. All right. So <laughs> those listening, you got some great advice now. You check out Hamplan. Tell us a little more about Hamplan for those that have never heard of it. What's the you know elevator pitch? Elevator pitch is you know, myself, James Hobart and Spencer Hendel, you know, three guys that have been in CrossFit for over a decade each. Um, we, we program for the affiliate to individuals and to other types of programs. Our cornerstone is for affiliates. Basically what we've talked about on this podcast is we care about affiliates, coaches, coaches, and owners that want to deliver a product. And the first thing I say is I don't want you to buy the program. If you don't see value in it, I'll probably try to dissuade you to buy it before I persuade you to buy it. And I think, uh, simply put, we want to give you tools so you can be a better coach. And we feel that what we deliver can help you. Um, and if it fits for your lifestyle, for where you're at as a business, as a coach, as an owner, um, but our class plans, our lesson plans, we pour our lifeblood into that. So you guys can deliver a better class and, Programming takes a lot of time. Lesson plan takes even more time and time is your most valuable resource. So if that resource is better spent somewhere else, then we're the right program for you. Um, and after a year or two of using it, you feel like you've learned enough where you want to reinvest as uh, your time resource into that. Then it's an honor to have been a part of that process. You know, and, and one thing I would say to an owner out there, having done it three times is, you know, we had a podcast about following CrossFit.com, which is great. But if, if you listen to that podcast with James, there was so much time that he was spending making sure the workouts fit his box, setting up the timelines, making sure the coaches are on board, which is phenomenal. But time is your most valuable resource. And you can go on hand plan and that's done for you. And that's really so much work and it's being done by three people that are smarter than you, you know, most likely you don't have the 30 years of experience that Austin, James and Spencer have together. So can, can people get a, can people test it out or did, you know, do they have to? Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. No. So if you just go to the, the handplan.com, we, um, you can sign right up on our website and, um, and then there's a, you get seven days free, um, like a free trial with our lesson plans and programming. Um, and if, and we're on tribe and sugar wad. So if you want, you hop on there. Um, I, I think every program gives you like, like a three or four day free trial, which is pretty awesome. So, um, just try it out and, um, you know, or just hit me up, shoot me an email. I, I call every affiliate. I talk to every affiliate owner. I mean, I, I'm the one that re responds back and emails to all you guys. So, cause I, I take it really, really personally when someone wants to, be a part of what we do specifically from the, uh, the affiliate perspective, because I understand what, you know, $200 a month means to a gym. So I, you know, I'll spend that time talking to you. So just hit me up. You know, and $200, all you have to do is retain one member a month because they're loving it and it pays for right. itself. What's the, yeah, I mean, yeah. What's the best it. email for them to hit you up? I'll put it in the show notes, but you can say it right here. Oh uh, yeah. The, the hand plan at gmail.com. The hand plan. Thehandplan at gmail.com. Cool. I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Before you get out, I just want to make sure people know you can check out the handplan at handplan.com. It's also like Austin said on Sugarwad. It's in Tribe. Follow Austin at A Maliolo on Instagram. Yep. Um, the yep. handplan is also on Instagram, correct? Yep, correct. So you can see all that. And then for those that wanted to check out your vlog, I watch most of them and I'm anxious to see the new one about the marathon. First of all, any vlog with Connor, I'm going to check out because he's hysterical. But yeah, where can they find that? And he's yeah, and he's a good looking dude. That's on YouTube. Is that just search for your name on YouTube? Is that the yeah. best way? Yeah, yeah, search for my name and you'll see my channel and you can subscribe and all that. I try to put up at least I, I like almost two videos a week. You know, everybody's like tries to put these links out for social media. It's like at the end of the day these days, search Austin Maliolo and you're going to find everything you need to know. Um, is Wad on the Waves coming back? Yes. So look we for that in the future. We have we have, yeah, hell yeah. We've confirmed the second boat. Actually, literally on this way here, I saw a couple messages come through um, that we're going to start the planning process pretty soon. So 
Sounds like you're in a full sprint to work at this point, but that's cool. I am, ne- I am now walking out of the garage. <laughs> you are in my earbuds. Yeah, you can hear the planes flying from Logan. I got a there's, Navy warship to my left. You know it. There's no other podcast that brings you. I mean, that's what I should be doing. Only commutes, right? But I mean, I, I mean, hey, so we, I mean, if you want to be the best, if, if, if this is a coaching podcast, if you want to be a coach, you better hustle, which means you have no time to sit down for an hour and just talk to some long-haired, macro-y, and donut-loving <laughs> maniac. That's right. If, if you were debating if you were going to do what on the waves, though, let me tell you, I had a blast. Roz and I enjoyed it. We still hear from people that took our seminar. I mean, I was rowing one day, and the entire CrossFit Mayhem team you know, surrounded us, rowing with us. It's, if you want to be surrounded by the fittest in the world and then just enjoy yourself with food and the fireball 10K or whatever you guys did over there, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a great time. So check that out. Lastly, when's your book yeah. coming out? When's your book coming out? Um, I'm hoping this year. So I actually have a phone call with my writer this afternoon. Um, it's been a long, long time coming, but gosh, I'm, I, when that book comes out, if just one person reads it, it'll be worth it because, you know, we put, I put a lot of time into it. My, my whole life story with lessons and other things. So hopefully this year. Um, but as you know, writing a book, getting it published, it's um, the logistics of a book are harder than writing it unless you're, you know, an established writer. Yeah, I'm actually watching a whole book series by Tucker Max. And he's like, if you're writing a book to sell a million copies, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Write a book oh, just to, you know, yeah. promote your brand and all that stuff. But I'm anxious to see your book. You know, those of you that listen through all this, you probably learned a little bit about Austin that you didn't know. And I'm assuming that's going to all be in the book. It's going to be great stuff. Well, yeah. Well, and, and before, let you, you let, before you let me go, I do, right. think it's impo- I do think it's important for, for the listeners to know that Jason Ackerman, in my opinion, is one of the unsung heroes in the world of CrossFit, probably one of the smartest businessmen, just a good dude, taught me a lot about leadership, ownership. When I, when I, when, when I got the offer to come to Reebok, he taught me the most important lesson in leadership, I think, to this day. Because I was so nervous because Jason gave me this job and paid me more money than I ever thought possible for coaching, which you know wasn't probably a lot of money in the grand scheme, but getting paid more than to, you know, than a free membership was unreal. And, you know, he, he said, of course I'd be, would be sad to see you leave and we want you here. We'll be worse off without you, but I, you need to do, go out and do this. This, it, it would be wrong of me not to support you made my decision easier, made me feel better. And it helped me in, in my whole you know, process as a coach, a leader and owner. So, you know, Jason interviews a lot of people. He talks a lot about other people, but you know, Understand that Jason's the real fucking deal. Well, I really appreciate that. And uh, that means a lot to me. I'm not crying, but I'm very close. My eyes welled up. So good. thank you very much for saying that. Uh, if anyone is still listening at this point, which I don't know, you know the, the three people that heard that are going to be really, um, <laughs> <laughs> it'll mean a lot to, to me and them. But thank you. I do appreciate it. Thank you for letting us join your commute this morning it's been great insight into uh you know a little deeper than just you know talk about fitness with austin maliolo absolutely well thank you very much i'm about to walk in the gym